0: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Broken records.
1: The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records. The music our guests can't live without. Like Judy. Barbara. Liza. Bent. Betty. Audra. Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty LaPorte. Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World, Broadway Podcast Network, and possibly Broadway On Demand. What the hell? (laughs) Who can say? I am Ben Rimmelauer, and that little who can say girl was my best boy and yours, Daniel Nolan.
2: Hey, y'all. I am so excited to be here with you. As we were just saying, we have taken a... We just took a two-week break from our live stream, which is, of course, Tuesdays at noon on... Uh, Broadway World and Broadway Podcast Network, and I've been really missing it. And I, I even, haven't even really talked to you because you've been busy and I've been busy ish. So um, this is just so delightful to come back and and chat with you about gay shit and uh, be in everyone's
1: earbuds who's listening right now. Yes, well, I'm excited to um, connect with you now that you've gone viral on social media.
2: Oh yes, honey, um, uh, gone viral. I, I feel like I was patient zero of the Bernie meme. Truly, I know seriously. Especially the I, fact
1: that you your meme got recycled into that person's. Um, well, for anyone that didn't see it, Daniel did this uh, brilliant uh, Bernie meme of the um, Sondheim birthday concert red dress ladies with Bernie Sanders <laughs> sitting there. I mean, it um, was
2: it was truly such like a. Uh, just a random like. I, I wasn't even watching the inauguration. I was like, oh, I can't handle this. So I was just kind of following it on Twitter. It was just and in the sweet spot of Didi. It was, it was like such. Well, it was the sweet spot of of the the type of niche content that I and people love. And then also, I had only seen like one Bernie meme before that, and it was I think him and Cabaret. Someone did him on the, at the Kit Kat Club. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Like, obviously, I love Bernie. I love this me- I love this picture of him. So, like, what's something I could whip up real fast in Photoshop to, like, contribute? And then, of course, it just, like, every time I refreshed, I had, like, you know,
1: 20 no- new notifications. And so that, you know. You had those completely- celebrities retweeting you. And not just retweeting you, but being like, this is the best thing I've ever seen.
2: I know. Well, and it was such a, you know, that's all I did all day was just morning to night just (laughs) lay on the couch and refresh. I wish that was your job every day. It was literally, I was like, this is better than like going out and drinking. This is better than sex. Like just sitting, laying on my couch, refreshing and getting like just a wave of notifications every two seconds is just divine, just bliss. Yeah. Yeah. Um Anyway, so. But I was going to say, your meme got
1: recycled into this guy did a performance of I'm Still Here as Bernie Sanders. I shouldn't say this guy. It's actually, I I don't know him, but his name is Robert Yakko. And I do know that he played George in Sunday in the Park with George opposite Pamela Myers at Long Beach Light Opera in like 1990 ish. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, which I didn't see. But he did a not amazing version of Bernie Sanders singing I'm Still Here, which was neither a great Bernie impression nor great, <sighs> a great uh, parody. parody lyrics. <sighs> but he used Daniel's picture as his image.
2: Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm so, that made me so happy, even though he didn't credit, whatever. I. Uh, it's your grand meme. It's my grand meme, you know, and I... Yeah, I mean, I have to say it wasn't a great parody and a great Bernie impression, but it made me mad because I was like, oh, fuck, why didn't we think of this first? Because that would be a really funny – because I actually do kind of a good Bernie voice, but I don't know about singing. But I was like, that would have been a really funny thing to have done is like Bernie does a cabaret act or Bernie sings Sondheim. Yeah, totally.
1: You know, well, I told you I'm the, I have a drag character in mind, Bernice – Anders, And um, I I, I keep thinking I want to do like makeup tutorials as her. Um, And when I was thinking about how would I do I'm still here as her like uh, I was I wasn't thinking I'd be challenged by singing in the Bernie impression. But now it just occurred to me. I don't know why I'm so convinced I do an amazing Bernie. I've never done it. (laughs) I think I've heard you do it. I feel like. I think I just sound like that. I think people think I'm doing Bernie Sanders when I'm actually just like being a cranky Jewish person.
2: (laughs) Right, right. I mean, what you should do is you should do something. Uh, you should do, like, Bernice Anders does, like, uh, product
1: reviews or something. Yeah, totally. I don't understand why you can get mounds, which are dark chocolate with no nuts, <laughs> and Almond Joys, which are milk chocolate with nuts. What if you, like me, enjoy milk chocolate <laughs> but no nuts? Or possibly somebody else. I don't know. I'm sure they exist. They like dark chocolate, and they are like nuts.
2: Oh, my God. See, it's already – I love it. It's already brilliant. I, and, and your Bernie is so – it's like Bernie like r- like running a bodega on Bedford Ave. <laughs> you know, it's like Bernie <laughs> yelling at like vendors or something. <laughs> I it's love not it. the
1: vendors' fault though. It's really the Mars Corporation. It don't, really is. Don't blame the mom and pop small businesses. It's corporate it's corporate America.
2: one percent. What you speak of is such an issue that we need to address because, I mean, just last week I went to the corner bodega and got my 12-pack of beer and my Mounds
1: bar, and I was like, oh, yeah, you always forget this is dark chocolate. I do not forget. <laughs> and there's also that British, I think it's British candy called Bounty, which mm. um, never has nuts, and it comes both milk chocolate and dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not as I, maybe I'm just a dumb American because it's not like either one of them is like real coconut, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just love the mounds because the coconut is just like so. It was like it's just like candied coconut. It's candy. You know? It's like the
1: raisins in Raisin Bran that are like also yeah. drenched oh in like sugar.
2: Yeah, literally. Um, I love me some Raisin brand Crunch. I do want to
1: do, speaking of breakfast cereal, a uh, reverse advertisement, if that's such a thing. Okay. I would like to take down a product, which is <laughs> Magic Spoon Cereal. Oh, and yeah. In the Talk podcast that. world, because I'm such a fan of all the crooked media podcasts, um, especially Pod Save America, has really just been my lifeline. I mean, mm-hmm. like I'm excited mm-hmm. we're recording our pod today, because I feel like... Like, I have just become such a huge podcast devotee mm. um, for, for various podcasts, many of them on Crooked Media, but none more so than Pod Save America. And I, I would do literally anything that John Favreau, John Lovett, and Tommy Vitor, and also Dan Pfeiffer instructed me to do. And mm. they told me, and I know they were paid to do so, that I should try Magic Spoon Cereal. And I mean, it's possible. I don't know if you know what it is, but it's like this healthy cereal. I know. Yeah. Right. I'm sure it's on lots of pods. Like, so, you know, the idea is right that it's like higher in protein and much, much lower in sugar. And like, I, and it's somewhat like the flavors are supposed to ape kind of like your favorite, like sugary, like commercial cereals, like from your childhood. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like maybe for people, which I'm jumping to this conclusion about John Lovett, John Favreau and Tommy Vitor, unless they're just lying, but like maybe people that like magic spoon cereal out there, like didn't really grow up around sugar cereals. So in their mm-hmm. mind, this conjures something right? But like mm-hmm. as an actual sugar cereal, like my mom, like we'd be like, can I have something healthy? And she'd be like, have Frosted Flakes. Like yeah, you know, yeah. that was healthy in my house. And like, I am such a sugar addict. (laughs) No no surprise. Mm -hmm. And this is not a sugar food. This is like maybe arguably sweet enough in some universe where you consider like alpha bits sweet, but like, yeah. it is mm. not a very sweet cereal. And like, I've already emailed them to say, I would like to take advantage, not Tommy and John, but, uh, and the Johns, but I've emailed magic spoon to say, I'd like to take advantage oh. of their, uh, their satisfaction guarantee. Because you I you am went not. directly
2: to the wizard.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. So I mean, it didn't have
2: the magic for me. Well, and it's so the boxes are so small. It's like, what's that? Is it a Woody Allen joke?
1: It's like the food here is horrible. It's such small portions. Yes. Well, why says it's an old Groucho Marx joke, Groucho um, Marx. But um, yeah, you're it's really like picking it to. Um... To John uh, Lovett because he, his partner is Ronan Farrow, Woody Allen's estranged uh, son. Oh, and I didn't know that. I didn't know so that. the best way to really say fuck you to John Lovett is to quote Woody Allen as part <laughs> of the routine.
2: I didn't know. I mean, I, I still always forget that Ronan's gay. I mean, out. And uh, I don't forget. I do not forget. But. I I didn't realize that he his partner was was also in media. Wow! Oh, I, yeah. I mean that just He's, shows you how little I care about well, him. Well, he but.
1: used to not be because he was just a, a Obama speechwriter and then gotcha he was gotcha in the media. Um, but, anyway, uh, I I won't complain about the small boxes because I knew what I was getting into when I bought it, but. But I'm, I'm also pissed because, you know, the thing is, I don't think people realize that there's a whole line of Go Lean cereals by Kashi, which, oh, yeah. by the way, they should really be paying me because that is really <laughs> the best advertisement to start out trashing something and then talk about the good product out there that actually, like... Offers you what people like are trying to get from the first product. But like, Gol- no, Goline cereal is not. Well, some of the versions of Goline actually are pretty crazy sweet. Like, all their like, like Goline crunch is like pretty damn sweet. Yeah, but, like, I, I, actually, I, I enjoy it. My favorite is like the regular Goline cereal, but mm-hmm. A, it's healthier than the magic spoon cereals because it's not only high in protein and low in sugar, but it's also high in fiber. And mm. it's made from, like, natural ingredients. So it's, like, it tastes like honey and nuts and oats and seeds.
2: Yeah, like trail mix You know,
1: as opposed to those, like, Magic Spoon cereals that taste like Activate. Peanut butter, yeah, know. yeah. That's, way, that's, my, that's my sister's joke that goes back to protein bars from the early aughts. But whatever, that is funny. Um, she we we used to like this zone <laughs> um, bar called Fudge Graham, and she would always be like, "Activate Graham." That's funny. <laughs> she's funny. Shout Lucy, out, I love you. Um, although I think she gave up on the pod a long time ago. It's more. It's more time commitment than she's got for us. So,
2: so did my mom. So <laughs> I, I was talking about our dicks too much, and she was out.
1: Oh please! If I said that, my mom might join. My mom like, does not <laughs> even know we still do this. My mom has never <laughs> listened to it. Whatever.
2: Screw you, mama. My mom. My mom um, was. I know i said this, but my mom. My mom listened. Loved the first episode with. Um, with Mary. And as she said, I just love that Mary Tesla.
1: <laughs> well, Mary Tesla wishes she would be, she, you think she would be doing that play in the basement? <laughs> well, it's so
2: it's, I love that we're talking about food. Barbara would be so proud. She you really know, would. My, I mean, that's literally half her concert banter, <laughs> but um, my uh, secret shame this, this week and last week with every Amazon fresh order I get I order a whole entire Junior's cheesecake, which they offer on Amazon Fresh. and it takes me about three days to eat the entire thing. Uh, usually I eat it while watching Golden Girls. and that is like, you know, you've you've stayed with me at Fire Island and we've traveled together. I'm not like a super like sweets person, but cheesecake, especially from junior's, is is my kryptonite. Like
1: I will just eat take a fork to the whole pie. I'm so happy to hear that. I love like really skinny people that eat like fat people.
2: I mean, it's my it's been, it was really really dark this week how I was consuming it.
1: But like, what anyway. when do you think that's dark? Like, when you in your, like, 22-inch waist are, like, <laughs> digging fork first into this, like, entire Junior's Cheesecake. In your mind, what's dark about it? Are you like, oh, no, my cholesterol is going to be through the roof? I think it's it's just,
2: I was already eating shitty, so I was, like, eating, oh, I'll eat these this entire bag of uh, spicy, sweet chili Doritos. And then I'm going to eat this cheesecake for a sweet thing. But I feel so horrible right now. Like I feel like I could die because my body is shutting down because I'm eating such crap. Your body is shutting down. But I'm literally continuing to eat it. I think that that's the shameful dark part, is that I I can feel that it's like damaging my cells, but Mm -hmm. I I Mm -hmm. continue on. Mm -hmm. Um so anyway, yeah. Well, speaking of damaged cells. (laughs) Speaking of things (laughs) that that cause damage. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. Uh, I know we we debated so... I mean, we debated which concert we wanted to do, but this was kind of the one we came to because it's one of the only ones that's available and closest to the one we really wanted to do, which was the 94.
1: And can we start off by... Saying "fuck you, Barbara Streisand" because yeah, of Fuck, because like, yeah, who do you think you are? You <laughs> know, when I am upset that like a Betty Buckley album that like she like paid for herself on like you know Sterling Records like twenty five years ago that like I and like under ten thousand homosexuals on Earth have ever listened to, mm-hmm. when I'm upset that that is not available to like not not only i mean we say streaming but it's not like you can buy it either i mean it's just right. not available um you know i feel like like somebody needs to like swoop in and help poor betty buckley and her fans you know but mm-hmm. like barbara, barbara literally streisand had...
2: is the man you know yeah, barbara, barbara streisand literally had steve jobs on speed dial i mean it's like she if anyone could get her material streaming or for sale it's her
1: like, why is that not a thing? I don't understand. What is what is her end game? I honestly
2: feel like it's just. I mean, this is totally my own guess, but it's. I feel like it's some sort of weird like uh, control thing. Like, remember whenever Gaga's Star is Born came out, and Barbara like released her Star is Born on Netflix for like two months and then took it back. Um, and she also <laughs> and she also released all of those uh, TV specials for like a week and then she took them off. It's like. I don't know, or maybe Netflix only paid for, I don't know how it works, but... Uh, no, you
1: just said it. That's what it is. It's, it's much out
2: there, available. I am
1: so sure that, you know, as part, Netflix or who, all these various companies, whatever, let's say Netflix is the one, because for example, we know that they have, um, uh, what do you call it, Um well, they no, no, that doesn't count because they produced that. So, okay, let's talk about the one we're watching today. Today we're watching the 2006 concert, yes. which is, by the way, if you're looking for the name of her various concerts and tours, this one was called Streisand. and, yes. um it's the one From with Il Divo. Yeah, Although 2006. On tour in Europe. It was what they were called the Broadway Boys, and it was podcast guest Michael Arden and oh, wow. um, Hugh Panero and Sean McDermott and a guy named Peter Lockyer, I think. Um, wow. But, you just um, pulled those out. Well, because uh, I've been texting with the man that uh, co-conceived and co-directed uh, this concert and many other oh. Barber concerts, Richard J. <laughs> Richard uh, J. Um But, uh, so anyway, uh, but this, uh, okay. So this, this is available now and probably not for very long. If you, uh, via the prime video app, Mm -hmm. there's a, you know, what do they have those prime video channels you can pay extra for? Like, um, uh, what's the Broadway one, um, that I love, um, Wait, is it uh, our thing, Broadway on demand? No, it's something Broadway else. Broadway HD? Broadway HD, yeah. Broadway HD, or like if you're someone that doesn't have cable, you could add Showtime via HBO, Prime Video. Yeah. So, box. like, so, um, there's a channel there as there's many weird obscure channels you wouldn't necessarily think of called I don't know if it's pronounced cello or quello or kello but it's yeah. spelled Q E L L O and yeah. I think it must be cello because a lot it's certainly yeah. all music content yeah and a lot of it is um with you know, not classical, but there there's some classical music and 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 there's this you know, but there's also like Beyonce and Lady Gaga. Maybe it's it's cute because if it's queer, because I'm just realizing oh. a lot of it is stuff that people like us well, <clears throat> uh, enjoy.
2: Yeah, cual Gorgeous.
1: But I promise you that for their first of all, they obviously are willing to spend money because they have Beyonce and Gaga and stuff. You know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I'm sure it's for a limited release. So even if um, So if they said to Barbara, look, you know, we have, let's say, 20,000 subscribers, and, uh, you know, so this is what we're willing to pay you for a six-month streaming contract, and this is what we paid Beyonce, and you're getting the same as her or something. And let's say it's, I don't know, just randomly, let's pick a number, $100,000. She said, sure. You know, (laughs) but like when when iTunes says, you know, yeah, we want to release... your uh you know 1994 concert to stream and it'll be uh you know 1999 to download and you'll get 30% or 50% or 60% you know whatever the percentage is that mm-hmm. people get for that she was like you know well Quello's giving me uh you know 100 grand up front you know it's like yeah 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 clearly like there's so- there- this is something she could make happen but it's just why should she bother if it's not more money, she would rather just hold on to it because it'll be worth more if we have to wait longer. But I think her calculation is wrong because all those people in this concert audience that we watched, a lot of them already had wrinkly faces in 2006. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> and they're watching her. And, you know, listen, I don't care if it's. 2006 or 2016 or 2036, God willing, we should be alive still. Mm -hmm. I will still go to a Barbra Streisand concert and be like, oh my God, she's actually doing the As Her Encore Don't Rain On My Parade Encore from the show Funny Girl, you know? Mm -hmm, But that's mm -hmm. not what these people are thinking. These people are going, oh, I love when she sings The Way We Were. They played that at my prom. And the number Mm -hmm. of people who The Way We Were was the theme at their prom is getting smaller every year, you know? Yeah,
2: quickly dwindling.
1: And so those are, the, when those people are all gone, her price tag is going to go down. And so she should take it now. That's my advice, Barbara. But anyway. It's, my
2: advice. it's like, it's like, uh, you're, you're a, a stock broker telling people what to invest in. It's like, Bar- I mean, Barbara, you know, trades stocks every morning online. She knows, she knows how it goes. But it's like, yeah, your value right now is super high because of those people, um, Oh shit. Hold on. Okay. We're good. Um, and yeah, exactly what you're saying. I mean, thank, thank God there are, you know, semi young people like us carrying the torch, yes. but, um, yeah, I mean, then I, that, and that's a good segue because the thing that I love about, uh, her concerts when they're presented in their, uh, video form is that they really give you a taste of the kind of people who show up at a Barber concert Yes. intro yes. and yes. You know, I know I've seen her several times. If you say the kind of people, to we
1: mean the Clintons, Oprah, and then a bunch of middle-aged <laughs> and a, housewives. And then a bunch of middle-aged housewives. Gay, yeah. gay men. Um
2: you know, uh, when we went and tried to see her at Madison Square Garden last year, literally just standing outside the doors, refreshing uh, StubHub. Not not able to ever get in. Wait, but um, hold on, hold on. Because that's literally the best story ever. It is. I mean... I, we were like we're not going to be Barbara. Them
1: what happened?
2: We were like Barbara's at Madison Square Garden. It wasn't sold out and um we were like we want to go but we're not going to pay over 100 or whatever. Don't I think 100. it was even less. I think we were like not willing to pay more than 50. I think it started out as that and then when we got there and like all the tickets were still like 250, 300, we're like,
1: "Well, maybe 100 for like orchestra, whatever, but Literally, we went to Madison Square Garden, which, by the way, is also known as Penn Station. And we, like, literally were standing there dressed up and, you know, ready to see the show.
2: Seeing all of our friends who were going in to see it. Hey, (laughs) Molly Cole. hey, (laughs) Michael Yeah.
1: Waiting right outside the gates to buy tickets.
2: I mean, I felt like we were, we could have made one of those little, intro vids because all the types of people you see i remember we commented like oh my god we we love uh we love seeing groups of lesbians there who love barbara you know yes, there's totally. they're wearing their giant leah Delaria, yes, XL barbara yes. t-shirts
1: and, and um, under an under discussed group of fans is barbara's lesbian audience
2: i mean there's nothing that brings me more joy so seeing all nothing. those people of course i saw like I saw, like, two men who I slept with who were there with, like, their 70-year-old mothers.
1: I was like, oh, that's so sweet. I saw two 70-year-old men who I slept with (laughs) who were there with their granddaughters. (laughs) So anyway, even though we
2: didn't see her because we stuck to our guns, uh, even after the show had started, like, we were literally asking the ushers, like, has she has she come on yet is it still the overture we kept refreshing oh yeah the we were during the down. overture,
1: still hoping it was gonna work out the prices and, never we, went down and you know what we did not we did not budge yeah i was we were so like, proud you know of what us. we've seen barbara we saw her pretty recently because yep. when when did we just see her most recently
2: well we saw her in her uh the music the memories the magic and then we went to that talk she did with Patrick Wilson at the Winter Garden Theater. So those
1: were like four years ago. And, and, and this, by the way, was one year ago, more than a year ago. Yeah, So So it had been like three years. Yeah. So we were like, it's not our last chance. We've, you know, we just weren't. And it's a good way to segue too, because I want to say that, you know, I've seen Barbara many times and, and the first time I saw Barbara live was this concert that we're talking about now from 2006 Although mm-hmm. um, I had never watched the video before, mm-hmm. but as you know, I um, was going into this with a lot of anti-Barbara sentiment. This uh, yes. is probably clear it's, to anyone listening, but it's complicated, you know. Uh, and and most of my anti-Barbara sentiment has to do with like her supporting Mike Bloomberg in like the presidential primaries. Sure, and, you know, and the and the sort of bigger picture of Barbara's um, uh, sort of you know. In my mind, insufficiently progressive viewpoint, and yeah, you know, yeah. and that's, and I don't want to get into like a cancel culture thing about it because it's not that, but it's just like you know, it's a little bit offensive to me, like the stuff she said about like Michael Jackson's victims, like that at least they got yeah, to hang with I the mean, star, you know. And <laughs> I can't. Yeah, and by the you way, know. you know, Daniel is like a full-on, well, as my dad would say, a Bernie brother. You know? <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. You know, Daniel's a like a, brother. Ha- Daniel's a hard-ass Bernie brother. But I am like a like Deborah Messing level basic liberal bitch so like if you're not progressive enough for me then like you're the problem you know right i mean yeah i mean barbara
2: and and hearing her in this concert i mean giving her little like unity speeches and talking about the democrats i mean back in the day it was like barbara was kind of this uh figurehead of of progress for the uh for the democrats when it wasn't as popular to be an outspoken celebrity but now it's just like that viewpoint hasn't
1: evolved at all it's just like hardened in stone and and well and it's especially sad because that's not even so much true of the democrats anymore i mean even just in the last year exactly exactly. a, a leftward push i mean you know joe biden is espousing things uh, that people were very worried he would be far to the right of in the primary. Mm-hmm. And you see, you know, a much stronger progressive voice in the Democratic Party. So, you know, where Barbara was once the voice of the left, you mm-hmm. know, that, that one of her best live concerts, which unfortunately does not exist on video, is that was it 1970 and 1972? The Forum, Yeah, at the Forum, which was a benefit yeah. for, uh, was it George McGovern? Um, Yeah, I think so God, my my United States history is so wonky Um, Which, anyway But, um, so, anyway I had a big chip on my shoulder about that About Barbara Um, But uh, but I should have, but I did And this was not the concert I wanted to watch Because I wanted to do my favorite Barbara concert Which I did not see live But which really changed my life on video And on the album, which is, as Daniel mentioned The 1994 concert Which Mm -hmm. is not available to watch uh, anywhere For love or money Mm-hmm. even though it was released for many, many years on not only on DVD, but on two different versions, because there was the one on HBO that I was in love with, which was from the Arrowhead pond, uh, tour date. Mm-hmm. And then there was the, uh, one that had been released more commonly, uh, on DVD and VHS, <laughs> which was, uh, from the MGM grand, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. was actually her very first concert in, you know, uh, over 25 years. Um, but, uh, you know, her first concert tour, but, you know, the first live performance in like 20 years or whatever it was, it was she hadn't been touring. Um, and uh, and that performance wasn't as good, in my opinion, as the one that's on the video from Arrowhead Pond or on the album from Madison Square Garden. But mm. but I did remember how much I loved this particular concert, because when I went to see this in 2006, um, one of the uh, I'd never seen Barbara live before. And I think the only other time that I had been to Madison Square Garden at that point had been to see Bette Midler in her mm-hmm. Divine Miss Millennium tour. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I that was
2: think- the first time I went to Madison Square Garden, was to see Bette in the For the Girls
1: tour. Well, I think you probably saw a much better show. Um, because I really did not like the Divine Miss Millennium tour, and I didn't entirely blame Bette. I partly blamed the fact that I had really, 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 really bad seats Mm -hmm. And, um, I felt like it might've been really a thrilling show at, you know, a much smaller cabaret style venue. Like, I don't know, Radio City Music Hall, you know, (laughs) but like where there was some intimacy, you know, or a Broadway theater or, I mean, she's never going to do like the, you know, fucking Cafe Carlisle, but whatever, you know, like (laughs) I wanted to have, but seriously, Radio City would have felt so much more intimate than this was. and. And I just felt like really like so disconnected from her and the only time that I felt like her performance kind of was able to transcend that. And like I said, I I didn't even at the time uh, blame her for that. Uh, Did you hear my phone ringing just now? No. Oh, good. Um, It's not Bette Midler calling. It's Barbara (laughs) Streisand saying (laughs) stop the drink. The only time that I felt Bette's performance had managed to transcend that and I didn't necessarily blame her, but the only time that it came together for me was when she sang the amazing Stay With Me Baby, uh, Mm. "The The Rose. Where she just went so balls to the wall that it filled the space. So I went in to see Barbara live in 2006 with incredibly low expectations, and then I found myself completely blown away. And and, oh, and I should also say that I think of Bet as a much more dynamic and hardworking live performer than Barbara. So Mm -hmm. I really didn't think Barbara was going to make it work, but. But with Barbara, I realized it's something else. It's like having an yes. audience with the Pope, you know? And literally yeah. when I saw her at this show, the Clintons and Oprah and all these celebrities were in the house. And I still didn't have very good seats, but it felt like being in the presence of an amazing... uh just and the show was so laser focused on her stardom, you know. Mm, and yeah. and I and I, even at the time, I don't think I was like close friends yet, but I knew Richard J. Alexander who co-conceives and co-directs, and I love saying that because it's only Barbara's ego <laughs> that means he has to have a know, co-conceived and co-directed credits. It's
2: so funny <laughs> like, to me. I,
1: by the way, I'm not saying co-conceived and co-directs like he and you know Marvin Hamlish or like he and right, the choreographer, sure, or like sure. or even like you know, Donna Karen or like her producer or her manager. No co-conceives and co-directs with her. Like, where do you get off as a star doing your own show? Like, of course you're co-conceiving it. It's you. You're doing the show. For God's sake. Anyway, but, you know, with Barbara, that's part of her charm. I'm not actually mad about that. I've long ago loved her for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, but but watching this now, even more than when I saw it live, I appreciate Richard's hand in it. And it's so brilliant. And because, first of all, he's Richard is obsessed with stardom. And, you know, yeah, and and not. And while I think part of the genius of Richard J is that he's obsessed with an old school kind of stardom and Mm -hmm. particularly obsessed with an old school kind of Broadway, but Mm -hmm. such a like current in real-time fame horror. Like I don't know that Richard J necessarily like watches the Kardashians, but he definitely like knows a lot about them and he watches a lot of them. He watches a lot of that kind of like crap TV, you know. Um, right. And he's just like Richard is just plugged in at all times. I mean, it's almost like a, a yeah. yeah. A his psychosis finger's,
2: with him, you know. Finger his finger is definitely tightly on the pulse.
1: And so, and he really so he really appreciates Barbara as a fan, and then is able to channel that into to creating this show for her. And and it's so evident from the very beginning that it starts with the actual Ralph Burns. uh, orchestration of the, well, it's expanded though for this huge band, but mm -hmm. for the um, I assume it's expanded uh, certainly a big orchestra, but the original uh, Funny Girl Overture Yeah, which
2: is such a brilliant
1: choice. It's so brilliant because it also, and I think it's speaks to like a thing that's different about this as a turning point in Barbara's career. Cause it's her first show that he conceived and directed with her. I know that he took over as director on the millennium show she did timeless, mm-hmm. but he kind of inherited the show that she had put together and then had to just get it on its feet. Um, but, you know, and it's like, it's, I think prior to this, like when even that 94 concert, which I love so much, Barbara's like, hi, I'm Barbara. I'm a film star and a internationally acclaimed record breaking recording artist. When I was young, I did work in the theater. You guys wouldn't know about it. So let me tell you some stories, you know? Whereas Richard J is like, no, 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 no. Funny girl is the basis. It is the foundation of Barbara's stardom. And it's, you know, people is not just one hit on a list that includes the way we were and stony end and like mm-hmm. love comes from unexpected places from superman <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. people yeah. is the very like spine the heart rough. of Barbara streisand you know yeah. and so starting with the funny girl overture establishes that and oh it's so God. important and it um and it's a great piece of music it is such a great piece of music. It's so exciting that like da 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 da
2: da 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 and like in the uh, like uh, I said earlier like the intro with all the people you see like Meg Ryan, Tom Hanks, Rosalind Kind, Bette Midler, Steven Sondheim, like all these people that we know, huge celebrities down to like her family who we know. It's showing showing all them coming in and then interviewing like, you know, the the florida man who's like i once saw Barbara in the deli and she had a bit of mustard on her mouth and i said ma'am you know northern women get offended when you call a ma'am i said ma'am i just pointed to my mouth and she thanked me you know it's like just <laughs> every pops and then there's like the dad who's like i'm here with my kids i just want to show my kids what good quality music is you know, and then there's always like the lady who's like, I'm dying of cancer next week and I'm here uh, with the doctor's note. I came to see Barbara. It's like, I, you know, I hope she made it to intermission. <laughs> anyway, but it's, it's like that she, you know, the thing about Barbara is that she is an internet, you know, she's the best selling female artist of all time, I think. And, and a huge movie star and course director. And so she has f- worldwide fame and there's always people traveling. I mean, I've traveled across the country to see Barbara on her last tour. And uh, so she's not just like, um, you know, someone else I would travel to see is like Marilyn May, but of course no one else in the world. She's not, she's not a global movie star. So she doesn't have the same type of appeal, even though she has, you know, arguably just as good of talent. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Barbara has this ability to bring everyone together because she's this huge star. And so that little intro with the funny girl overture is just so thrilling. And then whenever she shoots up through that little elevator track yes. door on the stage yes. and the spotlight hits her right mm-hmm. as it finishes on that note, it's just like that, that that moment really, really made me wish she would have gone on uh, in Hello, Dolly! on Broadway, even for like two months, three nights a week,
1: whatever. Like, that would have just been the end-all, be-all. There's just no way, though. I mean, when you think about our discussion about, like, iTunes, like, Mm -hmm. if, like, all Barbara would have to do in order for her 1994 concert to be available, somehow available, Mm -hmm. all she would have to do is agree to an amount of money to accept Yeah. An already produced thing to then yeah, be no available. work To think that she would go, let's not say eight shows a week, or or sorry, Barbara and Bet and, and Bernard. You know, they all did they did seven shows a week as Dolly. Let's not even say seven shows a week. Let's say Barbara could do a five-show-a-week schedule. Let's show a week schedule let us let us say she would only have to do it for three weeks. Can you there's no amount of money <laughs> that could possibly be enough for her to do that if she won't merely allow <laughs> Right Apple's right cherry, that album that uh,
2: concert it's so true, I mean you know we could talk about this till we 're blue in the face, but i mean i like I, I recently uh reread my passion for design, and just like just the attention if you want to call it that to detail and just the 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 tight range she has on everything is uh is very evident so. Okay. Yeah, like you're saying, if she can't release that, then although I did hear rumors, which were probably just that—that—that that, that, uh, she was in talks to to close, she was going to close Dolly and do three performances a week.
1: No, 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 no. I think what they said was that she gave an ultimatum. Uh, it was like a cease and desist. That if Bette Midler didn't close, didn't go down to three performances a week, Barbara was going to close it. <laughs> I can't remember which girl they wound up with. I think the ultimatum was that if Bet didn't do that, Barbara was going to remake Beaches. Uh, <laughs> uh, I okay, starting here, starting now. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I I pure Richard J. I mean, I, I I mean, I know that Barbara said when she sang that on um, was it Color Me Barbara or My Name Is Barbara? Starting oh, uh, I
2: do not know. I think it's from no, one of the, it. It's, it's it's Color Me Barbara. I think.
1: It one of those TV specials, I, yeah. It must be Columbia Barber, where at the end there's like a 20 minute, like you know, sort of concert segment after it's been all this more like studio, yeah, um, it is, it is special Columbia, sets and everything, mm-hmm. and and she sings it. Uh, oh no, I'm not even thinking about. It. I mean, I she did do that, and I love that so much. But she also sings it on the con the Forum concert album, and she says, um, mm, "That's right, because right, because she opens with sing." Uh, and make yeah. your own kind of music. Mm-hmm. And, she, and she goes, sing was my son's favorite song from Sesame street. Here's from my Sesame favorite song. street. Um, mm-hmm. and so she said this was her favorite song. Nonetheless, I think that Barbara in 2006, I should have asked Richard J this when I was texting him a million questions. Um, But I was like, I, but I should, so I didn't ask him this. But don't you just kind of feel like this was Richard's idea? I do not feel like in 2006, Barbara's thinking about this like obscure off Broadway ballad that she did in the 60s, you know? Totally,
2: totally. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's the, that's my favorite thing when she does uh, that in all the, Two uh, thousands concerts that Richard directed. She she does the deep cuts, you know, and and really Broadway specific stuff. And that yes. those are all those are always my favorite numbers totally. that she does.
1: Well, um, um, so I mean that you know it's a thrilling start because it's it's the combination of being like something that she can really. Um, it makes sense coming out of her. You know, there's some stuff that Barbara Mm is doing now, you know, and she acknowledges it when she talks about why she's not really doing Stony End. She feels like she's too old, you know. But starting here, starting now, or too mature, as she says. Yeah, too mature. Starting here, starting now, I feel like uh, you feel like Actually, I don't know whether it was Richard's idea or Barbara's idea. But even if it was Bar- Richard's idea, if, if my fantasy that it was Richard's idea is true, I still feel like Barbara would have been like, "Oh, that's a very good song," and would have like listened to it. It feels like it's mm-hmm. the vibe that she actually gets off on. Um, yes, yes. And you know, and it started, the way the song builds. Like you kind of always forget how big and vocally thrilling yes. it's gonna be, yes. and the way it lands in her voice in this mature state that she's in at the beginning of the song it sounds so sort of easy that you you kind of like aren't expecting her to start to be like no and
0: it's like oh shit bitch
2: yeah yeah and in 2000 i mean the first time i saw her was in brooklyn in 2012 and then i saw the this most well second to last the the music the memories the magic yeah and um you know now the voice is not quite there and yeah. but here in 2006 it was still pretty much there i mean you can every now and then kind of hear the beginnings of the end
1: yeah but but only in like know. a horse quality not yeah. in any l- limit on the range
2: right right and it's still very uh you know that classic barbara brassy uh belt and and uh, it's
1: funny, I would never uh, use the word brassy. Um, no,
2: that's the wrong word. I was trying to think of... It's not brassy, it's bright, maybe? Or or uh, it's just, you know, it's that inimitable Barbara thing. Linda Edders comes the closest yes. to it.
1: I'm so glad you said Linda Edder, because I was thinking about it a lot. Part of the problem with Barbara is um, that it, the way... Her, like Linda Eder, she has such an effortless grasp on this like big belt, mm-hmm. on this big belting sound. But it's the pro- it's it, it's like it only is convincing in a when the intention is very passionate. Like, yes, um and- it doesn't make sense if you're trying to be casual. And it's like I'm trying to think what was the song. She was well, thinking where this was like really bugging me.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, so much of what she does when she does this bugs me. Like whenever she does that um uh for all we know at in the from the <laughs> we 94. Hate
1: that for all we know. For all we know is like run into the, the equivalent worst. of that in this show, which was um this may be my shining hour. As yes. soon as she started, I was thinking about you and me doing the yes. pod. And I was like, I was like, good luck,
2: Barbara. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this. The, but but something like starting here, starting now, the way we were, the, these numbers that she does that have that kind of build and it makes sense with the emotion of the song, it's like then when it finally gets to the end, she can do those big and riffy moments and it makes sense and it sounds uh, appropriate. Yeah. You know, she's not like, for all we know,
1: we may never meet
2: yeah. again. You
1: know, it's yeah. like, girl, yeah. it's not yeah. all for that. I mean, the thing is like Barbara's voice has no chill. And yeah. like Barbara's personality is pretty much 99% chill. <laughs> right, right, right. I mean, yeah. And, and 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 when I like
2: when she uses kind of the, um, like, I feel like in this concert especially I noticed it for the first time she she did she made some like funny uh kind of acting choices where she spoke <laughs> spoke sang a yeah. few things or it's <laughs> like you know in like the that. way we were I love it when in the way where she's like um uh would we sure but uh,
1: <laughs> would we you know <laughs> I mean I like I like it when we she were, does that I, she can do whatever she wants you know but like but I was thinking during the way what the way we were like like it like would this song be like I mean it's a good song, but like I feel like there's a lot of like seventies movie like syrupy like pop themes that are probably mm-hmm. as good as the way we were, like like, like I mean you know, this is in seventies like Valley of the dolls or uh well, okay, but that's got i mean, this is kind of a little bit like um has cred because it's Marvin Hamlish, and and maybe mm-hmm. Valley of the Dolls has some cred because it's Burt Bacharach but like mm-hmm. I don't know I'm thinking about like movies that I don't really know like love story like and love shit story, like that yeah. you know like I feel like all those movies had themes and they were sung by like random I mean because we were oh like we were talking on the um live stream about Dion Warwick and like mm-hmm. how like she's not necessarily like that much of like um, that emotionally or expressive in her mm-hmm. in her mm-hmm. singing um and, um, you know, in a way that's kind of true about Barbara too, you know, like it's, you know, certainly like when Barbara sings like the way we were, she is not telling a story. Like, I don't care how many times she like breaks <laughs> down like the melody or the rhythm to be like, ah, but what, you know, but she's, she, she's 100% thinking about like, Oh the stage is a little bit wider than it was right, when right, we were right. in North Florida and uh, I'm thinking that I sh- uh when I go down the steps I'm going to go on the right side instead you know mm-hmm. or you know not I mean I'm sure that stuff's all rehearsed anyway but like but you know you, I just feel like sh- you know she's doing her like job like and it's not about like the story of the song you know and it's the sound right. of her voice that a is really beautiful and uh, you know and and or you know and can be very thrilling and because this song means so much to so many people, it, it exactly that you know. Yes, exactly, and that's that's what I
2: I felt that so much in these first moments of the show, especially the first half where she kind of gives you all the hits. Yeah, and that's how I felt. You know, this this last one that we saw, she opened with "The Way We Were," and it was like, oh, bitch, here we go. You know, and and this is a song. This is a movie I love. This is a song not only we grew up knowing, but our parents grew up knowing. Uh, And so it does kind of just create this intimate community experience, even though you're in like this, you know, basketball arena watching her. Uh, And yeah, so it's just, it's like you're saying, it's the audience with the Pope type of thing. It's magic because it it creates this energy in the room. People just eat it up. And, um, but you know, this huge start in this thing, but then she's still, which this is, I, die for this i love it whenever she's like oh hi anita and like waves at people from the stage she's like oh you look so pretty it's <laughs> I, like literally she could have been she could be doing this like you know at joe's pub or something i know i thought the q a was absolutely brilliant <laughs> me too and how the Q&A, I was like i mean she was literally calling out people who were waving from the audience it was like i was like surely these are like you know uh
1: uh what what's the word well, like, some of them know? were joke setups i mean like you know the sure, sure. Like playing the hookers was so good <laughs> she says so good. um oh uh you know Maj from toledo says uh you played a, a hookah in um nuts uh, nuts and uh the owl and the pussycat uh would you ever consider playing one again and she goes, well, I don't know. How much are you offering?
2: <laughs> yes. And even the ones where it was like, um, you know, so-and-so, row, row 47, seat 15. You know, that one lady was like, I have a coton du tout, Like, can, we, can he, she and Sammy make babies? And Barbara's like, well, Sammy's a girl, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think it's quite going to work, darling. But like she literally so, says, but nice
1: try. Yeah, but nice
2: try. It's like she's actually pretty effortless, effortlessly yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah. Which, knowing her habits of just having everything on the teleprompter and yeah. everything rehearsed within an inch of its life, she actually, I found in this concert, she was very gracious and grounded and off the cuff.
1: Well, uh, one of the things I think that has changed about her um, in these last 20 years. Is that she mm-hmm. seems to get much in- more and more, well, less and less uptight, you know, and mm-hmm. to, seems mm-hmm. to be able to have more of a warmth and like, uh, sort of like a realness, you know? That, yeah. That she, I love that 94 concert so much because she's 50 years old or, you know, 52 or whatever she is. And she still is 100% at the peak of her powers as Mm -hmm. a singer, you know, her formidable powers as a singer. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can hate Barbara, you can think she's cheesy, you can think she's tacky, you can think she's lame, you can not like any of her music, you can find her personality offensive, her politics, whatever, you know. And there's plenty of reasons, good ones even, to feel a lot of that, you know but undeniably like the instrument that she was yes. creating, there was one moment when she was singing um later in this this concert one of my favorites was uh what are you doing the rest of your life oh me too and mm-hmm. i was just so astounded by the flawlessness of barbara's vocal technique like yes yes and you know I, and i understand that she has no training but whether you have training or not it clearly the way that she utilizes her throat and her lungs and her mouth and all that to put together to make music is exquisite. There's a, there's a lyric, um, through all of my life and, Mm -hmm. um, through all of my life. And the way the arrangement goes, it's like through all of my life. And it's like, The way through, yeah, and the way that she opens that vowel on the through, is so artful, and it's it's not and artful is not even the right word. I mean, it's true. She has she she, musicality. Think about it, but it's but it's artful in the way that because she at no anybody else singing that or most other people singing that would have to have, and I'm not doing it justice because it's in a different place in my voice and I'm in the wrong key or whatever. Anyway, you know. Um, but most women, if they were to sing that part, they would have to sort of a, have a very tight, like ooh vowel and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, Barbara's arrangement calls for her to change that into a more open vowel. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, that's why you often hear people being like, you know, or like you know, or a thrall, you know, yeah. it's like, and, mm-hmm. uh, I'm looking at that you, <laughs> yep. but, um, well, I you know, one of the things I always that with Patty and Gypsy that it's like, you know, when she opened the show, uh well, first of all, she was sick during previews and so she had to do um uh nothing's gonna stop us till we're through. And then you know, and then she got her voice back and when she yeah, opened I mean, the show in the beginning of the run, she was like till we're through, you know, and then later in the run when she was like more over it, it was like till we're through. Yeah, honey, throw that ball. I mean, you're literally playing an Ethel Merman role, so I guess it's okay. But, like, it's not what I wanted. You know, it's like, Barbara, it's just, like, she knows how to have it both ways, and it's perfection. You know, anyway. Totally. But, um...
2: She's so, you know, she has no training, but she has such a natural musicality, and that's something voice teachers always tell me. They're like, you, you know, any voice can be trained, but... Musicality cannot be taught. Like that's something you either have or you don't have. It's just what um, makes it that
1: much more offensive when her choices are
2: ugly. <laughs> <laughs> ugly, exactly. Um, I mean, and like you said earlier, I mean, I am Barbara's my number one, hands down. But I still, I still do find her uh, lame, offensive, and cheesy. But that's how much the voice moves me. Is that yeah. she is my number one, and and I, you know. I mean, last night when she sang "Funny Girl," uh, not only last night when, when you watched it and I watched it. Um, I mean, like, I love. What well, do you song. mean? She
1: did that this morning. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um uh I mean, I love that song so much. But just th- just thinking about her doing it in the film and just hearing hearing the version she does on the a movie soundtrack made me brought me to tears just thinking of that arrangement because it's so beautiful and her voice is it just you know takes you there so you
1: know it's funny Um, because i i have uh i've watched the first hour of funny girl probably 50 times yeah but i've probably only watched the end of the movie like once um, I mean, the first half is, is where it's at. I mean, the
2: only good, great thing about the second half is the final number of My Man. Sure. And like also and, is incredible.
1: Yes. Well, I just want to say one more thing about Funny Girl before we go to My Man, which is that uh, that song just worked for me. Funny Girl, the song Funny Girl, which was written mm-hmm. for the movie and is not in the show. And uh, all through my years of CD collecting, I only had the Broadway cast album, not the film soundtrack. So mm-hmm. I really don't know that song. But of course, it's a fucking Julie Stein song written for Funny Girl, you know, and yeah. uh, for Barbara. So to sort of get to experience her doing that, um, in a way for me, for kind of almost the first time, it was really special. And uh, also, I, I did confirm with Richard that this was her first live performance of that song. It's not something she had ever done. Uh, right. You know, no, when well, she says that. She's like,
2: she's like, I haven't, I haven't sung it since the film. Um, Uh, I love it so much, and and it's so heartbreaking, and and I love just the camera. It really gets close in on her face, in all these kind of uh, like this and an unusual way. All these kind of slower uh, ballads. uh, She really just those blue eyes of hers, and and the way she, uh, I guess, acts
1: the song. Well, and in and then in the second act, her gold eyeshadow was giving me life, Mama. Yes, honey. Yes. uh okay wait so before that see also you, my man well first of all i want to talk about come rain or come shine really quick oh good because okay. i have that notes was cool. i was gonna skip them for time's sake but but i but but i want to hear what you have to say about it well i just want to say first of all i'm glad that uh uh we had
2: some wet representation in the show um I but also like that's when she, that's when she's uh
1: changes her outfit <laughs> i meant that really I, you know you like that album god what uh, I what thought you, you were insinuating that I made a dirty joke. Oh no no no! Uh, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I but, hope but... the listeners are with me. Otherwise, that was a bad disconnect.
2: Was it? Was it a joke about being wet? you, you down, said, down um, said the album
1: wet, and I said, I said, I know, I said, I know, I know you like some wet, and then you, I thought you laughed, but maybe you just cleared your throat. Oh, <laughs> uh, but I didn't mean that. I meant I know you like that album. Is what I'm saying. I do,
2: I do. My what's one of my favorite songs? It's like the last one. It's um, da da da. No, that's Superman. What's the last one in Wet? I love uh, after the rain. After the rain, da da da, da. So pretty. But I love that uh, that she does come rain or come shine. Also, I'm wondering if that was a Richard choice because it's for uh, sure. There's not, no way she remembered that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't. I cannot imagine her pulling this song from Wet. But that's when she changes outfits to my favorite outfit of the night, which is very Liza Minnelli. It's the oh my black. God.
1: I said it's sequins. like it's like if Lulu Lemon did a drag race challenge where you can only use things found in Liza's closet.
2: <laughs> yes, totally. Because the first half, I hated the outfit she started with because it was it looked like a you know you got it from like a New Jersey shopping mall. It was like rhinestones and all that jazz. I don't need that. And then the second one, I like the little Egyptian gold number more. Uh, more than the first one, but this, uh, Liza pantsuit is really, it was really giving me life. So she comes on singing a famous Judy song in Liza's outfit. Um, and I loved it. Okay. Continue.
1: Um, uh, (laughs) I, I mean, I, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I need to listen to wet some more because it's always been a Barbara album that I pretty much ignored, except for obviously, um, no more tears. Um mm-hmm. and um obviously it has that album belongs in my life in the same way that lots of the uh sort of bet thighs and whispers kind of tracks mm-hmm. do, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I I have never gotten into Barbara's version of Come Rain or Come Shine, but what I wanted to talk about about that, which I was gonna skip, but now we're talking about it, was I you know, it's funny. I I feel like I don't get that song in general. I mean, I love the Judy version, but the Judy version is like so not about the song. You know? Right, you know? right. I mean, it's about it's about something else. But it is <laughs> That is about like a drug, and the drug is called Dexedrine. Um, <laughs> but it's amazing. But like, but I, you know, like it's never my favorite song. I mean, I guess I really like Patty's version, but it's like, but but the Pat, but no Patty performance is actually about the song, so that doesn't count either. No so i i it's like I, I i to me it's a little bit like okay you're warmed up good job yeah uh i mean
2: it's not my favorite song either but i uh i was glad i was included and then she does music that makes me dance which i was a little blue balled because i wanted the entire song and she only did a little bit of it but then she goes into my man which i mean is this the greatest
1: belt song ever written like this song is actually, I think, like the the, voice the I think it's like the apex, the, the, the what's the right word, the nucleus, the germination of like Barbara's actual genius, because yes, yes. she takes this like Fanny Bryce song that she is able to give all the Fanny Bryce ness in the world. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, I, you know, I, I don't think anyone who likes the old school like Zigfeld Follies kind of thing would find anything lacking in Barbara's ability to deliver that. I mean, it's almost like
2: the, like Whitney doing Dolly's, I will always love you. You know, totally, it's like, totally takes it to but, a whole different stratosphere. And then it goes to a whole
1: other stratosphere because I mean, where Barbara. It, it's, it's a great analogy, Daniel, because I mean, Barbara fully lets it have everything it was supposed to have originally. And then when she kicks it up into high gear, it it becomes modern in this way and mm-hmm. it gives her the chance to do what she does better than anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, I, I don't think you can find any Barbara fan anywhere who wouldn't count this on their list of their top 10 or even top five or fewer favorite Barbara tracks, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And I remember this from Madison square garden live so well, because I was having this great experience watching her, be this presence in this room and be so regal and stately and ethereal, and I was very captivated, and then this song came in and I had legitimate goosebumps, you know? Yeah, I mean, when she hits that
2: note, it's like, honey, the money note is there and it's here to stay. Yep, yep. I mean, you got
1: a little taste of that in uh, Starting Here, Starting Now, but here she gives it to you without, There's. it's just It's everything you could want. Well, and it's just the way it's written, it's like you know um ba 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 ba
2: ba ba oh my man i love it and da, 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 da. and then at the end it's like just sustained belt note after belt forever open vowel more it's it's just so satisfying and yeah. and and i mean listen i have done this song probably more than any other at like straight williamsburg karaoke bars when i first moved here and I guarantee Street you no one Williamsburg knows.
1: Karaoke Bar is definitely a contradiction in terms. Like, well, no, like Trash Bar
2: or, like, Alligator Lounge. Like, those kind of, like, weird hipster bars. But, like, definitely not gay bars. But I would always do this song. And, like, I, you know, maybe a couple of people knew uh, the, what it was from or whatever. But... There is something about this song that just singing it in karaoke, it gives you life because it's just it feels pleasing to sing it because of the yeah. way it sits in your voice.
1: Well, it's also a great song because it, it is a story song, but it's not like one of those like modern like Jason Robert Brown story songs that's like you have to like follow so, it. You know, yeah, this song like so, takes you so right. Joy. Everybody knows. I mean, it's literally called My Man. You already know what it's about. You know, totally. And totally. the lyrics are so just like cold and wet. I feel you told him i'm
2: tired you bet and
1: but i love i love
2: uh also because like you were saying earlier with the richard j funny girl side of things this moment is arguably what won her the oscar you know the moment that she, the acting she does in this moment at the end of the film where she you know they wanted her pre it. she said no i'm gonna do it live at least this intro bit she cries uh it's, it's beautiful and then the film ends and it's uh, da 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 uh, and 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 that's something you know we've all cried to watching that moment and yeah. and that's a well, very important uh, <clears throat> moment in her film work as Speaking well. Speaking of
1: that I think I can officially say that my favorite version of the song People mm-hmm. is every time the orchestra plays it and she doesn't sing it. <laughs> You know, like
2: she's like, I, Thank you, you've been a wonderful audience. Da-da, yeah.
1: da-da, I will literally not only get hard, I will like impregnate the nearest hole <laughs> immediately <the> near- <laughs> when I hear like, bum, bum, like that is my kink, you know. And yeah, da-da, and, and, da-da, and, da-da. and the only thing better than that playing and her not singing is that playing while she's finishing singing a different song. <laughs> Like, we're going to be like, like, forever more. That is everything.
2: It's like the Judy. It's like, it's like the Barbara version of the Judy. Like,
1: totally. I mean, Barbara, you know, but it's funny because when I hear Barbara with that, have that moment with people or, um, or Judy have that moment with Over the Rainbow. You know, or to take it down to a more human level, Patty have that moment with Don't Cry for Me, or God mm-hmm. Help Me, Luann have that moment with Money Can't Buy You <laughs> <laughs> Feeling I, your
0: body. Yeah,
1: Thank you. Um, but like it's uh, you know, I I always I think, well, it's about the singer's, you know, iconic hit, right? Yeah. And and um But it's funny because there's this Barbara Cook concert moment that I love so much in that way, even though it's absolutely not that. In her um, uh, concerts in the late 80s and in the early mid-90s and stuff for a a while, she used to sing this song um, called uh, In Between Goodbyes that Mm -hmm. was written for her... um, God, now I can't remember for sure, but I think the music is by Wally Harper, who was her... um, musical director and arranger, and the lyrics were by um, David Zippel, uh, who mm-hmm. wrote City of Angels and and uh, a bunch of other things, including um, uh, a lot of special material for Barbara Cook. But this song was not a song she was known for. I mean, she uh, the only recording she made of it was at the end of the 10 year period when she was singing it, you know, Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. like something that was, I mean, even, you know, obviously Barbara Cook is a lot more niche than Barbara Streisand, but like Mm -hmm. even in the Barbara Cook niche, this is not one of her like go-tos, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, but she would sing, it's called in between goodbyes. So like many songs about goodbye and this was written for her for that purpose. It's a great way to, you know, sort of, sentiment to leave the audience with at the end of the evening and mm-hmm. so uh she's singing this song and the way she would do it is she would sing the song and it the way the song is actually written to be is she's like it, it's sort of the same thing keeps getting repeated and like modulating a little bit in between goodbyes da, 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 da. oh and so then yes i know exactly gets, what you're gonna say She gets to this point where she stops singing it and it modulates again right after the last word was out of her mouth and in a very big, brassy way, higher and bigger and more with more orchestra behind it than it had been, you know, two seconds earlier when she was singing it. And as that's still playing, you don't know if she's going to sing more or what's happening because she just. The, she hasn't walked off stage or anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and she goes thank you so much it's so wonderful to be back in london i yes. do want to come back i hope you'll have me back while the orchestra is like going nuts with this brassy yeah. thing. Bum, 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 and, bum, bum. and it's like yes and it's the most exciting thing in the world and it's not like they're playing vanilla ice cream or like something from the music man or whatever you know like, yes. it's literally like you just heard it for the first time so I, I I don't know what my
2: deal is, but I love it. No, those moments I I, I feel you. Those moments are so uh, goosebump inducing and and just thrilling. Uh, and and one more thing about people is it's a hard song to sing. I mean, yes. I've never really liked any other person's version of this song. Uh, obviously, Barb was the first to sing it. I mean, from what I I, I remember reading somewhere that she wanted it cut from the show because she didn't like it at first and. You know, Julia Stein was like, you can sing people or you won't be singing this show at all. But um, obviously it ended up working well for her. But she she's the only person I enjoy hearing it. He, she's the only person I enjoy singing it. I, this is a hard song for anyone else to sing. And it's not one that I love listening to. Although I do love the song
1: and her version of it. Um, I will say the only version I've ever heard uh, that I like besides Barbara is um, Julia Murney from that Actors Fund Funny Girl concert. Oh, yeah. Hers is good. Hers is good. It's funny because, like, it's... Funny Girl is like, got so many great songs in it. And in that version of Funny Girl, that was an Actors Fund benefit that Seth Rudetsky put together on Broadway with all these different stars. It was uh, Carolee Carmelo and Adina Menzel and Whoopi Goldberg and 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 Kristen Shenmuth and Sutton Foster, et cetera, et cetera. Lilius White. Um, you know, they they each took one scene with a with one song in it, you know. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if I were one of them getting that put while that show is being put together, the last fucking thing on earth I would have wanted to do was "People," because if you sing any other song in Funny Girl, even the songs that are hits, like even like "Don't Rain on My Parade," you know, it's a Barbara hit in a sense, but it's not like a pop hit. You know, it's "People" is really in the category of like the way we were and evergreen. Yeah, I mean, it was a
2: single on the, on her single, album. You know, yeah. so
1: it's like, and it's, and the end also, as we, you were just saying, it's in a way, it's not that, it's a very hard song to sing and it's kind of not that great of a song, you know, like, yeah. you know, I, I, you know uh, what, the one you just mentioned that she, that was replaced by my man in the movie, the song, Um the oh, yeah. music that makes me dance is yeah. one of the great, Broadway ballads, you know. 11 o'clock
2: number. And you
1: can't find a diva in the sort of Broadway, like old school pop um, nexus who hasn't covered that song, whether Mm -hmm. it's Judy or Liza or Marilyn May or. Linda Mm -hmm. Eder or Edie Gourmet or like literally everybody has sung that song, you know, because it's a great song. And when people when you hear that song, partly because it wasn't in the movie, you know, you don't think like, "Mm, how do they hold up to Barbara? You know, you just hear a person sing the story of that song and make the music, whereas people you're only ever comparing them to Barbara. So it was really impressive that Julia Murney was, you know, arguably the highlight of that whole Funny Girl concert. But certainly she did kill it. Certainly one of them. And anyway, but uh, but this is a very good version of People because of two things that I really love about it. One, which is pure Richard J. She starts with the Broadway intro. We travel single O. Oh, um, yeah. Which yeah. A is like wonderful and old school and fun and all that. But also it saves us having to hear her work the word people into a sentence. <laughs> yeah, we're all just mm, people. So that is just like a blessing and then I don't care what I say or what you say or what anybody says. She can vote for Mike Bloomberg all she wants. When she goes, world, I get so happy. Wait, what? what? At the end. What that she doesn't go, oh, in, in the world, the yeah. world. Oh
2: my God, that's my life. Yeah, and she does the movie thing from the movie where she's, uh, people who need people. She does that little riff, which is just delicious.
1: I ca I I would really love it if someone would do a breakdown on YouTube, preferably where they have all the clips of like mm-hmm. all the different ways she navigated people. Because like that, song, that, it really like you kind of have to do your own thing to make sense of that melody at the end. Like mm-hmm or let's put it a different way barbara did her own thing and so therefore nobody actually knows how it's supposed to go
2: <laughs> exactly i mean my other my my truly favorite version of the song is the single version which she doesn't do that on she just goes people who need people and she just kind of lets it fly which is so beautiful <clears throat> but um When I hear her do that now, when I hear her do it that way now, it's not as thrilling. So I actually now prefer her doing the people. Um, And then, yeah, at the end, in the world. So good. Um, So then that's, okay, then that's the last song of Act One, correct? Yes. Okay, so, of course, you know, I lived for her weird little intermission walk and then the dog and all that. That dressing room. Um, That dressing room, which is just smoke
1: and mirrors. I mean... I mean, like, the burgundy chair she had, like, flown in from Laura Ashley. Clearly, Barbara's tour. I mean, I'm sure a lot of stars are, like, good for her. but it's cool that you get to see Like, clearly there's just, like, a bunch of, like, curtains and curtain racks and things that are done so that it feels the same to her wherever she is. Totally, yeah.
2: As as uh, Sharon McKnight said to me in Provincetown <laughs> that one time, honey, <laughs> there's just a room and some curtains. <laughs> uh, okay, so opening act two... The, my least favorite part of the, the night. She sings music. I, was, I, I literally realized it was music of the night. And I was like, I wrote down, uh, um, if you're going to
1: sing music of the night, I have a couple questions for you. <laughs> Number one, are you currently, as I'm watching you in real time, playing phantom in the show, Phantom of the Opera? Right. If the answer to that question is no, my next question would be, are you Michael Crawford? If the answer right. to that question yeah. is no, then my answer to you is don't sing it.
2: Yeah, yeah, how dare you. Yeah, so that one just and I don't like I don't like it when she does little like group numbers with the guest stars like no 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 no
1: thank you. I thought I felt that way until a little bit later in this show but I certainly was with you at this point. Um I love
2: I love when she um this okay now this starts my favorite section yes, of the show. 100. I love it first of all just so much just uh Mama Rose when she's like Playing Jason's music, and she's like, mm, Isn't it pretty? it's Just so funny. I love so I
1: did crack up when she's like, As many of you know, my pride and joy is my beautiful son, Jason. And I was like, <laughs> I, I in fact do not know that, but come on.
2: I literally did not know what she was going to say. Like, my pride, I literally thought she'd be like, My pride and joy, my beautiful, uh, Laura my, beautiful, <laughs> my beautiful girl, Sammy, who's laying in the dressing room in the back. Like, 100%. I,
1: that is what my I
2: do. I was like, Okay, all right, I'll, I'll allow it. So she starts that and she's like, give, gave this song to me for my birthday. As
1: many of you know, my pride (laughs) and joy is my beautiful son. Oh, one second. Can you scroll to the next page of the telephone? please? (laughs) Jason. I couldn't see what it said. (laughs) That's so funny.
2: (laughs) Um, It's like, he has a chamber orchestra on his throat. He's just so gifted. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I, uh, but he looked, he looked good. Like the, the little clip they showed of him before the show, I was like, okay, like who knows? Maybe he's, uh,
1: he and one of those Il Divo boys are, are hooking up. Anyway. If, if not then, then certainly with one of those Americans on the Broadway tour. On the yeah, European for tour. for sure. For sure. Um, okay. So then starts my favorite section of the show
2: it's, which is where she does like the, the ballady Broadway numbers. Yeah. And, um, Children will listen. Arguably, my least favorite of Sondheim's big songs. Yes. I don't really like that song, but when Barbara does it, I kind of like it because it. She she already tends to be a little preachy, and so this song kind of allows her to do <laughs> yeah. that in like a tasteful
1: but, way. But you've got to be carefully taught. Was really too far in like. you to carefully taught. I didn't. Even- Yeah. Yeah. Like already just. uh, And I mean, it's funny because I continue to feel ever since Bernadette was forced to sing that untenable arrangement in the original production (laughs) that like it's not that song is like waiting for somebody to like grab it and really make it their own. Mm -hmm. And the only person that ever did was really in my mind, Betty Buckley, who didn't get to keep it because it depended on a lot of factors like the Harlem Boys Choir and it being a medley with a different song for it to have that you know there's no way for her to excerpt that and recreate that Um, but I actually think that when Barbara did it in the more recent tour the one that we saw anyway in 2016 uh, I think I remember thinking, oh, now it's really working for me. But here mm-hmm. in 206, 2006, it was still not really there for me. It's a little too, like she's sitting in that chair. I kind of don't buy it. And, it's like, it's like, if you're, you're really like, if this is so important that we listen to you and like take this message about like how to like raise our children so they like grow up, okay, then I need you to like stand up and mean it a little more, you know? Yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah. Talking about raising her kid, I, 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 that was a little unbelievable. It was unbelievable.
1: Also, I and this is not just Barbara's fault, but it's, re- and you know I love me some Stephen Sondheim. But yes. if the person that is crafting the message about being a parent is Sondheim and Not Barbara, somebody yeah. well, and and Barbara, <laughs> so yeah. somebody else needed because they say, <gasps> "How do you uh, how do you chat uh, something you say to
2: your child? Said, only, only whatever, whatever you... you
1: put in its head."
2: <laughs> yeah, it's I, I I am I was like what.
1: And, you know, now maybe because I'm living in like the 2021 woke world where we now accept without any question that um, trans people can have the they pronoun. Yeah. So we've changed that rule in English because we needed something because obviously you're not going to call trans individuals it, you know. Right. So, but in this era, and this is not even 2006, I mean, Sondheim wrote these lyrics for Barbara in 1990. Three. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh you know, there was no sense of what a trans pronoun was, certainly not like that. Um, so maybe correct English was your child is an unspecified gender. Correct. English is it, but I really, I mean, people get mad when you refer to a pet as it, there's no way that a parent would say, you know, and maybe you could argue, well, in character as the witch, it makes sense, but mm-hmm. ain't no part of Barbara. That's like, let me play. You know, it's not like Patty being like, uh, right, the show right. is ragtime. The role is mother. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. That's not what's happening. The show is my friend. The role is Maren's part. <laughs> I mean, but what
2: you're saying is so true. As I was watching this, I was like, why didn't they just say they, there? Only whatever you put in their head. Like, that wouldn't have even, se- I mean, maybe it's technically, grammatically incorrect, but that wouldn't have stuck out to me, you know? Yeah. Um, it's terrible. Because it's saying, how do you say to a child, da da da,
1: whatever you put in their head? It's like, that seems fine look, to me. If you're Ruthie Henschel, the other person that has sung this arrangement and mm-hmm. you are like, have just swallowed a bottle of pills and like are about to be hospitalized for like loving your children too much. Like, <laughs> I don't even know if she has kids, but like, you know, if you're Ruthie Henschel, uh, you don't have to worry about the lyric making you seem unfeeling. You're very feeling. I know. Right. You know? Right. Right. But like if you're Barbara, you gotta be careful you have to be careful. I, um, uh, so
2: seeing that, and then the next song is one of, is probably, maybe, I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's one of my favorite One of 100%. Unusual Way. Unusual Holy shit. I love it so much. Um, it's in that
1: sweet spot for, this is the best place for Barbara to be the best vibe because it's, mm, um, it's, it's, it's pop, but it's highbrow pop. So it's like, it's, because, yeah. you know, Moria. it's from Nine, written by Maury Yesen, a composer with sort of classical uh, background. You know, I mean, he's written song cycles for Pavarotti and stuff. You know, he's not like a Broadway hack. He's somebody with like a, a classical music weight to him. You know, mm-hmm, same with mm-hmm. the next song that I love so much. She sings, um, What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life? And, um, that also, you know, it's Michelle Legrand, you know, it's like where it, when Barbara's in, in that, um, highbrow classical, uh, highbrow pop, that is the place where the, um, obviously her voice is, uh, too modern and like of like 20th century pop to be like a serious classical instrument, even though I enjoy, um classical barber very much. Yeah, me too as well. You know, but that, but that's not, that was never going to be her genre, you know, but her voice is so, um, it's such a serious piece of instrument, if that's the right way to put mm-hmm. it that that mm-hmm. um, it's so big that, it needs things that allow for that classical heft because it sounds cheesy when you have all that voice on sort of smaller music, because she doesn't really know how to like be a casual singer, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it, the right, the perfect sort of marriage for that is when it's this sort of highbrow classical. And it made me, it made me really want her to sing. um, And it's interesting because a lot of modern musical theater in the last 20 years, there's was that whole people, the Adam Gettles and the Michael John Lacusas, who all sort of had a classical music sort of pedigree. And so it made me really want Barbara to sing for something from Light in the Piazza. But then I thought, but, you know, mm. I just wish that I, you know, I'm not the biggest fan. I know y'all love Light in the Piazza. Wow. To me, that stuff is like slightly Philip Glass-ish. It's like not quite sort of melodically simple enough to really like have like the Broadway quality that I want. Like I don't, end of the day, like, you know, I, I don't get off on what Victoria Clark is singing and it's not my favorite Kelly O'Hara performance, you know, but I was like, Oh, you know what he should, she should really sing though is, um, Scott dividing day. Oh, Um, Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, it's up from from Grey Gardens and from uh, Warpaint. And then Scott Frankel was in this audience giving her a standing ovation for, oh, really? uh, for Have I Stayed Too Long at the Fair, which is just so gay and so exactly the kind of music so i are talking about. Uh, um, which, by the way, I want to give Richard J. full credit for Barbara singing um, Unusual Way and for Barbara singing uh, Have I Stayed Too Long at the Fair and for Barbara singing What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life. Totally. All, uh, totally. All those are my favorites. Um,
2: now that you said that about Barb, I mean, I'm like, if they ever make a movie of Light in the Piazza, like, even though again, she's way too old for it. Like I want Barbara to be um, the Margaret part. Um, something else about speaking of the, of Margaret Johnson, I think a lot of these songs like Unusual Way. And I remember the last show I saw with her, she sang my favorite Losing My Mind. Me too, which um, is so crazy, but I really did feel that way. But I think, you know, the thing those have in common and something she's really good at is uh, playing kind of the lover, the scorned lover roles or kind of the other woman roles. It's like all of her film roles are like that, you know, Funny Girl, The Way We Were. Uh, she kind of plays, uh, you know, the the ugly duckling or, or the girl who gets the guy in the end, but she doesn't think she will. And Unusual Way and Losing My Mind and some of these other songs I think allow her to kind of go to that place character wise and kind of be that, uh, you know, woman scorned is the phrase that comes to mind, but like whenever she's acting an unusual way and losing my mind, I'm, I'm like, I can feel it. And I'm yeah. it's convincing totally. to me because totally. she knows what it's like to be that person.
1: Yeah. And also, and, and I think that, um, even if she's not acting in the song, it naturally suits the sort of impassioned aesthetic of her singing voice. Yes, for sure. Um, Like, her voice kind of sounds like that even when she doesn't want it to. So a song where that's exactly what it should sound like, it's perfect. And An Unusual Way and um, Losing My Mind are great examples, too, because they're songs that are... um, they're very vocally taxing and on Broadway they're most often sung by sopranos and as great as they may sound, it doesn't have that pop accessibility and conversational quality. But when you have Barbara singing it, whose voice is pure pop, Mm -hmm. it's, it's in a way, I mean, it's, it's, in a way it's sad to say, because I, to some extent I respect the artist's, like Barbara Cook, you know, um, that I've heard sing those songs more than I respect Barbara in that way, you know. However, mm-hmm. those particular songs, Barbara, the quality that Barbara just naturally brings to it, kind of makes it the best version of that song.
2: Yes, totally. Um, she has to get in, of course, her little like "I love the truth" section. <laughs> Um, dispelling false rumors, all that, uh, which just makes me laugh. Yeah. But um, and then okay, so then Stony End, she kind of sings a bit of which I couldn't tell if that was if that was, uh, random or not. Like if that was planned or not. The Stony End bit.
1: Um, it was planned. I mean, I would think that that's one of those things that is like they can guarantee in an audience of ten thousand people there's going to be a few Q and as asking for Stony End. You know? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, Then she talks about the Democrats,
2: of course, and then she sings Happy Days Are Here Again, which I have to be honest, don't love this song by itself. You know, if it's the, the duet version, great. But I don't just love hearing this song sung straight through
1: yeah i mean in a way it's like my thing with children will listen where when you've heard a song so brilliantly combined with a different song yeah it's yeah, like yeah. you kind of just don't want it, it it's always seen as a little naked but you know this is the one that uh in some tour dates or at least in new york she did it with like a a guy <laughs> wearing a george bush mask <laughs> and he did the 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 judy garland thing oh my god and <laughs> um they did like a whole routine, and uh, somebody got. Do you not remember this? Somebody got offended. No, I remember this. That she was like disrespecting the president, and so she said, "Why don't you shut the fuck?" Oh, up? Oh, of course, of course, of course. I always, I always, I've heard the don't. Uh,
2: why? Why don't you shut the fuck up? But I always forget that that's where where it is in context. Uh,
1: speaking of memes, that was like the first meme. It was meme meme
2: memo Rose. Meme me in Saint Louis. Nope. <laughs> Meet me in St. Louis. Um uh, I the thing I, that drives me crazy about Barbara in concert, I don't like how she talks back to the audience. I don't like how she allows that. You know, hey, I mean I uh, know you be
1: Barbara and I'll be the audience, okay? I okay, love okay. you.
2: Anyway, oh, oh thank you so much. <laughs> um
1: Daddy, you know, like, anyone else, anyone else is like, I love you too. Liza's like, leave your phone number at the stage (laughs) because I'm lonely sometimes. Yeah, Liza,
2: thank you. Thank you for caring. Barbara's literally like, oh, isn't that nice? (laughs) Literally. Yeah, I'm I'm coming over to you next. And by the way, I'm coming over to you
1: next means like, all I'm thinking about during this song is the fact that in 14 minutes, I have to walk down those three steps and across (laughs) the page eight feet. And trust me, I'm more stressed out about it than you can imagine. So when you wave to me, it just reminds me what I have to do.
2: Literally, yeah. Literally, like half the time she's getting applause, she looks annoyed. Um, and then and then the end of the intermission, she wa- walk into her dressing room. She's like, "Oh, I forgot how long it is to this, dre- how far it is to this <laughs> dressing know. room." Um. Anyway, so then yeah that annoys me how she just always replies to them but it's like that's so Barbara it's like she hears fucking everything like someone could whisper to their friend like oh she sounds great and she'd be like oh what was that darling oh thank you it's like she can't not say anything you know it's just like not in her personality to like let something go by ignored
1: but what's funny Um, is that it only happens during the songs because during the patter she's paying attention and reading it off the teleprompter and there's nothing spontaneous going on but during the songs she's bored and hears whatever they say. I mean, I do, when she, when she, uh, talks to the audience or,
2: you know, when she's singing, what are you doing the rest of your life? She, uh, points to those people in the audience. She's like, Oh, like, like you two. I mean, I love when she does that because it's so like old school cabaret. Like she could literally be doing this at the duplex, uh, as opposed to like this giant arena. So I like when she does that cause it makes it a little more, it makes her seem a little more human and friendly. I mean, um, it just
1: goes back to the number one rule, which is always have good seats. Always have good seats. Uh, so then she sings Have I Stayed Too Long at the Fair.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. Then comes the fucking unity speech. Um, then cockeyed Optimus, which I really did like this arrangement. You know, it's, this is not a favorite song of mine, but whatever arrangement it was, it worked for her and it made it more exciting.
1: Yeah. I, I love this song and I liked this arrangement a lot, like where it got to, but I mm-hmm. think like typical Barbara, the arrangement was like a little too much. And in a way, like I felt it kind of kneecapped her because like, there's like the transition, you know, she starts out like, um uh how, how does it start? Um, when the sky is right. right. bright. But she's like, yellow. But she's, like but you know, on Broadway or whatever, that you know Sutton Foster sings it. It's like, you know, it just, yeah, when yeah. the Da-da-da-da sky, you know. But Barbara's like, when the sky is a bright canary yellow, and like, mm-hmm. so then when it gets to the part where it needs to like t- take a turn and go into the rhythm of like, I hear the human race has fallen. Instead, there's like this oom pa pa lead in, so mm. she has to wait. And Mm -hmm. then when she comes in, she has to then race to like catch up with the energy of this arrangement. That's already like bigger than she is. And she doesn't get there until halfway to the end, you know? And then she does. And it's like a big, exciting ending, but it's like if the arrangement just kind of respected the fact that the song is already going there, I think like the energy that would have been more, I don't know what I'm talking about. I felt like it just was like, it wasn't Barbara's fault. That arrangement kind of like made her like actually less compelling. I hear what you're saying. I mean, the the theater
2: songs I want Barbara to sing, I don't ever want her to sing Rodgers and Hammerstein. I only ever want her to sing like a standard-y type song from like the olden days or like a Sondheim one that she can sink her teeth into. Well, apparently
1: she only knows South Pacific, so
2: you don't have to worry about (laughs) it. Very true. Um, Speaking of, so next is another song that I would be – you know, I don't need to ever hear again, which is somewhere. It's just never really done it oh, for me, especially my God. the way she does See, it. See,
1: I feel the opposite. Like I, to me somewhere is in several sweet spots of Barbara's. Like it, in a way it's like, um, that thing of like the, like losing my mind and Michelle Legrand and, um, uh, what was the other uh, one we were talking about? The like, sort of with the classical heft to, um, oh like what unusual way where it's like this cuz it's Leonard Bernstein it's like you know it's broadway so therefore it's pop but it's also it has that sort of highbrow Leonard Bernstein thing you know and 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 it's the song that is sung by sopranos on broadway and when you get barbara singing it it gets to be like this like real belt and unlike barbara trying to be like cool and pop in like her 80s albums like Barbara is a contemporary of Leonard Bernstein. I mean, she's actually younger than him, but you know, Mm -hmm, but like, mm -hmm. therefore he's not too hip for her. So Barbara actually can like take that song, you know, and I don't necessarily need the like space age, like crazy sounds of the arrangement that she had, like on the Broadway album, but like Mm -hmm. when she sings it in concert, you know, and kind of like my man too, like it gets to go into that, like, just like you know, almost like Chaka Kani, kind of like just like Barbara, like thrilling, like disco belt place, you know, mm. uh, that just makes it like such an anthem for me in a way that it isn't. When some girls, like, some you know, and like, <laughs> and I really, um, and where, I mean, God, I don't want Il Devo in this show. You know, like, I just don't. And yeah, uh, do however, in Somewhere, I love having them there. Because they actually save Barbara the trouble. Instead of her being like, somewhere, 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 somewhere. There's a Like, she <laughs> just Barbara's goes. so Liza. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I do is either Liza or Fiddler <laughs> on the roof. Um, Liza in Fiddler. It's my career. but Funny. Um, but, you know, she just gets to go somewhere and then they go somewhere, 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 you know, like soprano alto tenor bass parts. Right, right. They yeah. hit it off, you- And it, I just and I thought it was really thrilling them filling in in between her vocal lines and just that much bigger and that much more. I was really I thought that was the highlight of the whole thrilling concert.
2: Mm. Well, I'm glad you thought so. I mean, obviously, many people love it because that's how she closes out basically every show. Um, I just, I don't, I've never really liked that song. And especially the way she does it, it's just so like, ugh, like heavy
1: handed. Well, I definitely tune out, like, when Barbara's singing that song to me, it could, it, the lyrics might as well be happy birthday. Oh, <laughs> I totally. am definitely not like, yeah, Barbara gives me hope for what the world, yeah, could I be, cannot allow you know?
2: that. But something else she does that really annoys me is when she does, like, she just kind of goes into, like, summarizing the plots of all her movies. Oh, and God, I, mean, yeah. I, I don't like it when she does it with Yentl. I don't like it when she does it with Funny Girl. I, and if I don't like that, I certainly don't need her to summarize the plot of West Side Story for me, or Romeo and Juliet. That is something that she's I like, did not like, come so here like, so West Side for. Story is about this cleaning lady. And- <laughs> Yeah, I'm just like we don't need you to tell us about the Capulets, the Montagues. I the I can't sharks, remember her best- name, so let's
1: call her Maria. <laughs> let's
2: call her Maria. Um, yeah, I'm just I don't I don't need that from her. So anyway, she does that. Uh, then of course, I guess for the encore, she does "Don't Rain in My Parade." I do not like all the lyric changes. She the special material. No, it's she not does.
1: special material. It's the encore version in the sh- not the encore. You know, it's the finale of the show.
2: Oh, okay. So it's not well, it's not kid. A movie. That's life in
1: the theater. It's so great. It's the it's the end of the show, and it's a perfect bookend because she starts with the overture.
2: I guess I know the movie one more. I don't think they do it in the movie, but um, I wish she would just do the regular version. You know, I wish she would just do the regular uh song. Don't rain on my parade. I, I mean, I, to it, me, it, the
1: great thing about "Don't Rain on My Parade" is that like. It kind of doesn't matter which version you do. It doesn't even matter if instead of doing Don't Run on My Parade, you you instead choose to do I'm the greatest star because they all have the exact same bridge yeah, <laughs> climax. Totally. And ending. Totally. Like <laughs> it's like it's not like anyone has like less in its like bag of tricks. Like they all get, you know, um Yeah. I mean, I actually
2: do love uh I'm the greatest star more than Don't Run in my Parade. But anyway that's for another time
1: well it, uh, it, the, I'm the greatest star then has other things that don't don't random my parade doesn't have sure but like but it but there's but it doesn't lack anything that don't random my parade does have
2: yes totally so then she brings Sammy on stage which I mean this moment of this sh- of the show is just so funny to me like she brings the dog on and then he's like Uh, she wants to like run away. And when the dog starts running, Barbara on the mic is like, Renata. (laughs) I was so excited about that. (laughs) Renata's literally just like posted up at the stage or at the, at the door to the stage,
1: just like intercepting the dog. I was sad that Sammy left though, because I was really interested to watch Sammy. And I really have a question about dogs and like dog psychology. Like, Mm -hmm. The dog knows the dog is in an enormous space. Right. And the dog knows that there are, like, thousands of people very close. Yes. But does the dog know that's any different than just being, like, in Times Square, or like, Madison Square Garden, you know, uh, Penn Station? Does the dog know that, like, they are in, like, the focus of attention or something? Or, like, does the dog, can the dog not tell that? I mean... I
2: do not know. I mean, I feel like the dog knew something was going on because he was like deer in the headlights. And, you know, I feel like if it would have just been like a crowded thing, like, you know, he could, I mean, that's kind of what he did was kind of run away. But I, I, I do feel like Sammy, you know, knew something was going on because Barbara wasn't acting normal to her. You know, she wasn't acting like she does backstage when she gets on her feet and like kisses her and, or sorry, gets on her hands and knees and kisses her and, and rolls around with her and hugs her. She was literally, like, clutching her while she's singing on the mic with these bright lights. I mean, Sammy had to know something was off.
1: Right. Um, I will also, Barbara had Sammy yeah. in a
2: very uncomfortable position. Yeah, I know. I was like, poor Sammy's having to, like like, she's standing on her back legs and then having to, like, prop herself up. Like, why didn't Barbara uh, just
1: put Sammy on Barbara's lap?
2: Yeah. I mean, I was really wondering, like, do you, th- do you think she does that every night? And if she does, do you think Sammy ever like took a shit on the stage?
1: <laughs> you know, Barbara would not have allowed that. <laughs> I, that is a really good question that we will ask Richard J., who, by the way, offered, not at- offered to call in, but I was like, not so sure.
2: Yeah, we really need, we really just needed space to like live our truth today. <laughs> yes, we did. Um Anyway, so, the, yeah, I died with that where she's like, Renata, of course, of course she travels with her. And then, of course, the, um, the final song, Smile, which don't always love to hear it, but I loved this moment. I, I liked when she sang it. I was over it.
1: <laughs> I mean, me, like, Barb, like that, I hate that album. And like. It- wait, Which album is this one? Like movie, was it the movie partners? No, it's before that. It's, it's, it's earlier. Yeah, is it like the, the, the. Uh... All the, I don't know. All these fucking like easy listening, like inspirational music she's been doing for the last 20 years, like really turning yes. off. And I love this yeah, I song. It... I love when people sing this song. Of course, the number one version I love is Judy's because Judy's really has balls. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. But like, but it, I don't even need it to have balls. I just love when people sing this beautiful ballad, but Barbara's really puts me to sleep.
2: i i mean this was i was watching this it was like 10 p.m so maybe i was ready for that Uh, to me this um, song only
1: works if i feel i can be comforted by the words coming from the person singing oh yeah barbara's certainly not gonna provide that (laughs) no um (laughs) like i would literally rather anyone else sing this song to me like Jackie Hoffman could sing it to me, and I like, even if comforted. like Donald Trump sang it, I feel like not <laughs> that like he would like love me and want me to smile, but like he might want me to like shut up and smile. You know, like, like, like at, at least, least it would be t- kind of. Oh, it's literally from the movie Gaslight, so there you go. It would literally be gaslighting me. Is it really? Isn't it? Am I making that up? I don't. I don't that's not a musical. No, it's not a musical, but it's it's
2: from a Charlie Chaplin film. Oh, that's not Gaslight then. That's, um, something else. He didn't direct Gaslight. Oh, Wait he did. That's Angela's I'm, first movie, right? Yeah. I, hold on. I didn't, I'm gonna, I'm getting our intern on this right
1: now. <laughs> um, Gaslight movie. Hmm. Oh no, Smiles not from that. I can, now I'm remembering. I was like, I don't, I cannot, this Smile's is like from a, a sl- movie with the title, like modern living or something. Oh, okay. But, like, oh, modern, modern times. Yeah. Right. Exactly.
2: Uh, I was like, "Gaslight" is like a suspense movie. I don't, yeah. Modern Times is a Charlie Chaplin movie. Did
1: Charlie? But Charlie Chaplin did not direct Gaslight. Um, Gaslight was directed by. Really hoping you say yes, so I don't feel like a
2: total. Uh, No, George Cukor. Nope,
1: just absolutely directed the women
2: famously. Yes, Um, full circle though. uh, Barbara obviously starred with Sydney Chaplin, Charlie Chaplin's offspring, in Funny Girl on Broadway.
1: And Sidney Chaplin's Yes. <laughs> mm. There's some connection. Now I can't remember what the relationship is, but Saul Chaplin, who wrote the additional song, uh I Have Confidence for the movie of the sound of oh, music. But mm. I don't I think he might not have actually been related. Um, now I can't remember. Such a good song.
2: Um I was actually thinking about that song recently because I was uh I was watching Rebecca Luker clips, and I was watching me a clip of, sing- of her singing I Have Confidence, and I was like, oh, they must have added this for the revival, because it wasn't in the original show, right, right? Right, I love that. I love that song. It's Actually, that's so, on so my
1: YouTube playlist, Ben's Best of Becca. That should, you should put that in your show, that song. I know, it would be a good song for me, right? Yeah. Um, I, I know we're at right. the end, because my next note is, yay, Mary Wick's. Hey, Mary Wick. Wait, I, she- I have <laughs> one email draft that is for all my um, corn streams notes. So we've gotten to the end of Barbara, and that was oh, from the- uh, I was like, I was like, Mary Wick wasn't in the audience, was she? <laughs> no,
2: she was in White Christmas. She was way dead by then. That could be a plug for our last episode on yes. corn streaming White Christmas. Everybody should listen. Everyone should w- listen. I, I it literally got way more downloads after Christmas than before. I mean, of course, we released it on the twenty fourth. But, um, it, you know, it's the, it can be listened to year round. It's cold enough right now to be Christmas. I'll say. Anyway, um, I'm glad we finally did Barbara. I mean, like I said, it's complicated. Uh, I love her, but we, we hate some of her choices. We hate some of her politics, but the greatest star truly. truly, Once in a generation talent. Yes. Okay. We'll sign off and then we'll do our other thing. Yes. Uh, so, everyone, some people have to Tuesday. tinkle. <laughs> Sir, me as well. Uh, tune in, everyone, to our return to uh, the internet this uh, this Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern time. And we will I'm sure we'll be
1: talking more about Barbara then. Bye! Peace! Peace. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. (laughs) This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Rimelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A.